Good morning, church family. Please to join me as I commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But Jesus, thank you for those words. Thank you that when you passed them on to your disciples, you said to them, this then is how you should pray. You commanded them to put your name, your kingdom and your will in high regard. This is the priority of discipleship. Father, we confess and we ask for your forgiveness that in our everyday life we failed to keep this priority. Often we have put our names, our little kingdoms, and our way above your way. As we now come around your word, we ask you to speak to us in that our focus will shift. For your name's sake, amen. Now, one of the key and major themes running through St. Luke's Gospel is the theme about the universality of the gospel. The idea that the gospel of Jesus is inclusive of all people. Luke wants us to know that the gospel of Jesus means the bright and blessed future for the many, not for the few privileged. Maybe this should not surprise us because Luke followed the great apostle. He accompanied the great, the great apostle Paul in, on his missionary journeys. And he saw in Paul that all sorts of human conditions were preached, th were preached to and they were brought in submission in authority of Jesus. And so Luke uses all sorts of examples to illustrate this point in his gospel. One of the examples is the gospel for women. Now it's easy for us on this side of the cross to take that for granted as if it was always the case. And yet, this was revolutionary in its time. Because it was not the norm. It was counterculture. And therefore, it was against the status quo of the day. Here in our beautiful land, South Africa, the month of August has been designated as Women's Month. A time that we celebrate women in our lives and in the wider society. But the good news is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his vote to women, saying, in Christ they are equal with men and therefore they can be discipled and be brought to the feet of Jesus as much as men. Sadly, that truth still needs to penetrate much of our society and the times 
the church as well. The second illustration or the other illustration that Luke uses to illustrate this point of the universality of the gospel is the gospel for the poor. And that's what our passage is about this morning. This is another example to illustrate the point about the universality of the gospel that Jesus took his good news to everybody independent of their birth, independent of the possessions, independent of the influence and privilege. And this theme runs through the gospel of Luke, especially when you look down on the stories that are only unique to Luke's gospel. For example, the parable of the Good Samaritan, only Luke record that parable. Only Luke record the parable of the prodigal son. Only Luke records the Pharisees and the, and the publicans. Only Luke records the absolution of the thief on the cross. Only Luke records the Great Supper. And all these stories that are unique to Luke, they make a compelling case that the gospel of Jesus includes all people. It includes the poor and the crippled. It includes the blind and the lame. All these people, independent of their conditions, they are meant to be reached out with the gospel of Jesus. Now, here is the challenge for you and I this morning. How has the vision of Jesus for all people shaped the way I live and the way you live? How are you living your everyday life in light of Jesus' vision for all people? Especially in this time when the gaps have widened even further. Now, as we come to our passage this morning, I want to assume that you did not have any difficulty in recognizing some of the words used in our passage, especially coming on verses 20 where it says, Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and rival you, and spurn you, your name as evil on the account of son of man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. I'm sure you didn't have any difficulty to recognize those words. They are one of Jesus' famous words. They are also used here in Luke's gospel, but they are used in Matthew's gospel in the section which we know as the Beatitudes. So 
both Luke in our passage this morning and Matthew, they use the same material. So the question for us this morning is, how do we distinguish our passage from Matthew's account? Well, the first thing that needs to be said is that, yes, we acknowledge that it is the same material, but the occasion is different. It is the same material, but the audience is different. The same material, but altered to, to, to make sense to the audience that is spoken to. So, for example, in the poor in Luke chapter 6, verses 20, are those who are poor in spirit in Matthew. Those who hunger now in verses 21 of our passage are those who hunger and thirsty after righteousness in Matthew's gospel. So immediately we recognize same material but different occasion. Therefore, it has different meaning. Furthermore, as we seek to distinguish our passage from Matthew's account, we need to understand and think of our passage this morning as an ordination sermon. Where do we get that, you ask? Well, verses 12 through to verses 16 of our passage gives the scene and the context to our passage this morning. There we see Jesus choosing and appointing the 12 apostles. He chooses them and he asks them to follow him. In verses 20 and 26, he takes them further. He now prepares them for what lies ahead. He wants them to know what is going to follow and happen in their lives because they chose to follow him. Now let's have a look quickly in the appointing of the twelve. There in verses 12. And one day, in one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. That's how Luke begins our passage. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. But this day was not just any other day. This day marks a gear shift in Jesus' ministry. Because, you see, we, here is the divinely appointed Son of God, divinely appointing his apostles. It is a very impressive and a very important moment. He appoints them and, and having appointed them, he comes down with them to a level place. That's what verses 17 tells us. So it's not the sermon on the mount, it's the sermon on the plain. And those words coming on the level place are very important for us. Because they speak of the message of grace. Grace, that great leveler. Because from now on, Jesus is going to pass on to his disciples the message of grace. The message that says, you as the sinner, you can be one with the Holy God. Grace brings together holy and 
outstanding God with a sinner. And Jesus came on the level place and spoke to his disciples as equal to them. Because from now on, they are going to be their lips and hands and feet to the hurting world. They are going to take out his words to the world. Another important thing that we must note in this appointing as Jesus brings them to this level place is that his message was specifically to the twelve. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, he spoke directly and specially to the twelve, not to the multitude as he did in Matthew's account. Jesus was not speaking to a mixed group. He was speaking specifically to those who follow him. Because the multitude would have been a mix of heathens and Jews and those who were following Jesus. Therefore, the first thing we learn here as Jesus addresses his disciples, that this is not a general announcement upon misfortune. As though to say it was a blessed thing to be poor and hungry, to be full of grief and being an object of, hum of public humiliation. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. Those things by themselves, they are not a blessing. You and I know this very well, that the suffering of this kind to be always poor, to be always hungry, to be always unfortunate. Those, that kind of suffering can be a source of bitterness and resentment. It can cause one to always looking on the other side of the fence with envy. And therefore Jesus cannot describe that kind of suffering as blessed. Surely you are not blessed. It, Jesus is not saying you are blessed when you are suffering that kind of that suffering. Again in verses 20, 21 we see that one of the marks of the poor is tears, is weeping as they see injustices going unpunished as they see the violence against their dignity going unrebuked. The only thing they can do is to weep and cry. The psalmist says, my tears have been my food day and night, while other people ask me how long and where is your God? And we know this very well in our country. As we make our way through this pandemic, those who are in authority, they continue to rob and steal from the poor. And as you drive around the city, you see the poor standing one after the other, waiting for help. Surely they ask themselves, for how long, O oh Lord? 
That is not a sign of blessing. It is a sign of pain. So Jesus is not saying to be like that. As we drive, we see those men and women, those sons and daughters, those mothers and fathers standing in an undignified manner. We can't say they are blessed. So Jesus is not suggesting that here. The other mark of the poor, this I heard from my friend, is their prayer life. Surely as they look around this world and they realize that this world has got very little of comfort for them. This world has got nothing to give to them as means of comfort and hope. Therefore the only hope and source of hope for them is God. They lift up their eyes to the Lord. Do you remember Hannah going to the temple to pray? And Eli coming to her thinking that she is drunk and he rebukes her. Hannah replies and says, No, my Lord, I am not drunk. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. And I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. So one of the marks, two of the marks of the poor is tears and weeping because this world have no comfort for them. But positively, one of their mark is their prayer life as they lift up their eyes to God. So how then are we to understand and apply these words of Jesus to us today? Jesus here is preparing his disciples for what lies ahead. He is not teaching purely about the economy, that to be poor and hungry is to be blessed. Although he is making a reference to their economic st status, but the real issue here is that of religious commitment. Jesus' teaching here is about the cost of discipleship. The sermon is preached first and foremost to those who have left everything and followed Jesus. You see, because it was impossible in those days to follow Jesus and not leave everything behind. It was impossible in those days to live for Jesus and live for the world. You had to choose. And therefore to live for Jesus purely, it meant you will say no to certain things that the world offers. You will experience rejection. People will speak ill of you. It is spoken to those who are at the risk of losing the comforts of this world because they followed Jesus. Here is the warning and the challenge for us. In our unquenchable thirst for approval, Jesus wants us to know as his disciples that if this world accepts us at all times, if this present age 
accept us as his disciples at all times. The warning that is God for us is that maybe we belong to this age. If this world has no issues with us at all. If we fit in with this present age entirely, and this present age is entirely happy with us, and they never felt uncomfortable with our testimony, Jesus says we are one with this age. And therefore when he come as a judge, we will also, like this world, be part of his judgment. If this world is happy with us, Jesus says to you and I, we have chosen, we have chosen to live for the now rather than for the then. We see that in verses 20 and 25, where it says, blessed are you who, hungry, who hunger now. Blessed are you that weep now. That is verses 21. And then verses 25 says, Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who laugh now. Here Jesus is contrasting those who live their lives for now and those who live their lives for the then. For those who live their lives for the now, he says they are hungry now. Because they are experiencing rejection. He says they are thirsty now. And their thirsty will be satisfied. But for those who laugh now. It means they are saying no to their future. The challenge for you and I this morning is. What are you and what am I living for? Is you and I living for now, for this world, or are we living for the then? And I think nobody has asked us this question better than COVID-19. COVID-19 has asked us deeply this question. Where are we with the Lord? Are we living for the now or are we living for the then? Is our fear and anxiety based because of the uncertainty of the future as we know it? Or is it because we are worried about where we stand with the Lord? What are we living for? COVID-19 has exposed our eternal perspective that is not deep as we thought it was. It has exposed us that in reality, we are living for this world. We are not willing to pay certain cost. We are not willing to part ways with our comfort, with our convenience, with the freedom of choice. And the pandemic came and take it all away from us. And we protested. What are you living for? Are you living for now? Are you living for the then? Are you craving the approval of this world that you are not willing to stand out and stand up for the gospel of Jesus? 
And Jesus says to you and I, if that's how we live, we have made our choice. We have chose to live for the now rather than for the then. Blessed are you, poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Let's pray. Once again, Father, we ask you to have mercy on us and help us to make you our priority. For your name's sake we pray. Amen.